Hey, <laughs> how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm beat, but I'm good. I bet. <laughs> yeah, work's been crazy this week, but it's all right. Everybody's like four people took vacation, which is ridiculous. But yes, yes, it's like that for me at work too. Like yeah. everybody's taking their using up their vacation at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to take one here soon. I'm yeah, you need it. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we just wanted to do a little year-end wrap-up, right? Yep. So we can keep going. Um, I have one I've been saving. And the reason I've been saving it is because the book came out this fall. And I didn't want to be an asshole and, like, share <laughs> share share accounts from the guy's book you know yeah. when he's out doing interviews and stuff you know yeah but it's the end of the year and i recommend this book it has a lot of great accounts yeah and if if we do that we're praising it you know yeah well we're yeah, definitely we're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um and it was funny because today um work was kind of crazy like you said lots of people are off on our work too um, and I put in a podcast to listen to, and and the guy that wrote the book was on Into the Fray. <laughs> oh yeah, I listened to that first thing this morning. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's him. It's that yeah. book. Uh, it's uh, Stranger Paranormal by John Olson. Awesome, yeah. And I've heard him a couple places, and he's you know he'll share stories out of the book, but he never shared the one that was my favorite that I saved. So. <laughs> Oh, wow. So, yeah, Good. so I have this one. Um, yeah, the, um, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to hear it, but um, I just wanted to mention, I loved the story about the giant wolf. The woman mm-hmm. was in her car. Do you remember that yeah. one? Yes. Yeah. I like that. He, he got a lot, a lot of people sent in some really wild accounts, so... Yeah, I'll check it out. I've got a load of books on the way. Um, nice. Huh? Nice. Yeah, yeah I got um, Joshua Kutchen's book, finally, the new one. Nice, and, very good. Um, uh, you, all, par- all paranormal stuff. I'll let you know when it gets here. <laughs> Yay! Yay. <laughs> yeah, I, I've um, kind of Maybe it's because my iPad is a piece of shit now and it runs slow, but I haven't been really into um, reading in digital format. I'm sure if I like got a new iPad or Kindle, it would be a different yeah. story, but yeah, it's just so slow right now. I just buying regular books. Right. Um, I do. Them. 
I do that digital, especially if I wake up in the, like if I have insomnia, like if I sleep an hour yeah. and I'm wide awake. <laughs> That's, I do the yeah, exact okay. same thing. That's the first thing I do if I can't sleep is grab, is go to the uh, PDFs and Kindle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, another thing that's messed me up is um, I got on that spook show kick. And what I did is every cool um, advertisement I found, I saved a PDF from Mm -hmm. Lisa. I saved a thousand. I looked at the number (laughs) the other day. I saved a thousand fucking newspapers. And now I can't. Um, organize it. It's just all there, and it's like, oh fuck, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I need to find a w- better way to organize. But, but anyway, organize. Yeah. <laughs> better method. Yeah. Well, I do that too, and then I'll uh, or I'll take screenshots of stuff I want to look up, look for later. Oh god. <laughs> I do the same I mean, thing. It's a it's a way of taking notes. Right, and then you're but like, before I know it, I have 15,000 picks. Right. You know, and it's to even begin going through and organizing them. I, I just like, nah, God. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or probably All right, not. Huh? <laughs> probably not, but yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, buy more Try. iCloud space. You there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good, good. Should I go into this account? Okay. It's called the Dark Pacer. Okay. And it's by Kirk. I grew up just outside a tiny town in rural western Kentucky. We lived in an older home and a large wooded area surrounded our house. Growing up, I was the oldest child of three. I had a younger brother and younger sister. It was the late 70s, and we didn't have much money as a kid. My mom stayed home with us kids, and dad worked various odd jobs in town. On the weekends, dad stayed home, and mom worked as a waitress in town. When I was four or five years old, my parents told me to stay out of the trees in the front of the house across the road from us. I found, I know, tell a kid that, right? (laughs) (laughs) I found it odd that I could play in the back, but not the front of the house. I thought it might have been the actual roadway my parents were afraid of. There was a small grass patch across the road, across the old dirt road, then an embankment. And at the top of the embankment, there was a line of trees. I couldn't imagine what might have scared them about that. When I was eight years old, I remember sitting on the front porch. The sun had just gone down. I remember taking my dinner out on the porch because I didn't want to watch TV with the family. I was sitting on the porch steps eating when I first saw it. I could see a tall, dark figure walking. The towering dark mass walked from tree to tree across the embankment for about 75 yards. Then it would stop. It then turned and walked back across the other way. I watched it as it did this repeatedly. I watched it until it began to get dark. I started getting scared as a cold, creepy feeling overcame me. Suddenly, a hand grabbed my shoulder and yanked me to my feet. I looked up to see my dad, who was extremely upset. What did I tell you about coming out here alone? He snapped. 
I pointed across the way at the shadow as it turned and headed back to the right. What is that paw? I asked. I tried to ask him. Without further explanation, my, my dad grabbed my plate and ushered me into the house. He sat me at the table and told me not told me again not to go to that part of the yard or anywhere near that forest. My dad was a rough guy and I knew better than to ask too many questions. So I simply agreed with him and went to my room. As the years went by and I got older, I found myself sneaking out to look at the shadows. Once my younger siblings got old enough, I showed them what I had started calling the dark pacer. It didn't show up every night, Sometimes it was months before it would show up back up. It was generally at dusk, right before dark, when it did show up. It also seemed to show up just before or after a rainstorm. Even though I've become used to seeing it, it was always super creepy. It became my very own boogeyman. Finally, when I was about 12, I asked my mother what it was. She reluct reluctantly shared that it had shown up after she and my dad bought the house. She said the first night it showed up, my dad thought it was a drifter. He went over to escort him off the land, but it had disappeared right in front of him. My mother had said, had said my dad tried for a month to catch the dark pacer, but it would disappear just as he got there. She said it was a tall, dark shadow with a strange form like a man but warned me that it had evil intentions. She told me one night that my dad had climbed a tree across the road, hoping to catch the figure. She heard him yell and fall out of the tree. He ran back across the road limping. He refused to tell her what had happened, but she remembers my dad being terrified. She told me under no circumstances was I ever to go over there. About a year later, mom and dad did something they rarely did. They got dressed up for a dance in town. At 13, they said I was old enough to watch my brother and sister. My mom made dinner, and then she got ready to go. Dad came in as we ate dinner and told us to eat, watch TV, and go to bed at 8 o'clock. He said if we were up when he got home, there would be hell to pay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they finished getting ready and headed out. After dinner, I went out to the porch, and my little brother Tom, 9 years old, and sister Amber, 7, watched TV inside. I watched and wondered if the dark pacer would show up as I sat on the porch. Sure enough, it did. I watched for a while when I heard the door behind me open. Is it out there, Tom asked. Yep, right over there, I replied and pointed out the shadow as it crossed the trees and made its way back and forth. What do you think it is, he asked. I sat for a moment in the quiet and responded, I bet it's just a trick of the light. Bull spat, Tom. I told him I wasn't afraid of whatever it was. He called me a liar. I hit him in the arm and threw a few more gentle play punches at him. If you're not afraid, then go over there and find out what it is, Tom challenged me. I knew I would be in big trouble if dad caught me going over there, but I hated looking like a wimp in front of my little brother. After some more name calling and chicken noises, I decided I would go. I told him to stay on the porch. Don't move a muscle, I said. I marched across the lawn over the dirt road. As I approached the embankment, my heart was in my throat. Even though I didn't want to show it, I was terrified as I climbed the hill. I reached the tree line. It was dead quiet. As I looked through the trees in the fading light, I walked towards where the shadow had been walking. 
Suddenly there it was standing near a tree about 15 feet from me. It was tall and black, like an old ink bottle spilled on white paper. It was the shape of a man, but much more significant. I could feel its gaze on me as it stared up at, as I stared up at it. A feeling of pure dread and fear came over me, stronger than anything I had ever felt before or since. I burst from the tree line screaming. I fell down the embankment and headed for the house. My brother was also screaming and rushing into the house with me right behind him. I slammed the door and locked it. Through tears, I explained what I had seen and felt. My brother told me the shadow had followed me out of the trees and it was heading for the house last he saw. We sat huddled on the floor trying to catch our breath. I looked out the front window, but I couldn't see anything. I looked back out the window and scanned the trees. At first, I couldn't see anything, but as it got dark, darker, I caught a movement. The dark pacer wasn't pacing anymore. It was stopped next to a large tree watching us. It had never done that before. I pulled all the curtains closed and sat, sat there nearly hyperventilating. I had no way of getting in touch with my parents and I was afraid of what my dad would do to me if he found out. It was getting dark, so I told my sister to go to bed. She hadn't moved from the TV through, the, through all the excitement. <laughs> she, gave, she gave me an angry huff and went to bed. I sat on the floor looking at my brother wondering what to do. After a while, we moved into the distract ourselves with some TV. We had all but calmed down when my brother turned to me with wide eyes. He crawled over and turned the TV off. He put his fingers to his lips with wide eyes indicating I needed to be quiet. It was at that point I heard it. There were heavy boot steps on our front porch. We listened in horror as the boots walked back and forth across the porch in front of our house. All I could hear were footsteps and my heart pounding in my chest. Tom pointed at the window and whispered, go look. I shook my head, pointed at the stairs and then up with my thumb indicating we needed to head upstairs. Tom nodded and we slipped upstairs into the bedroom we shared. We huddled in the corner of the room, still listening to the boots walk back and forth across the porch. It felt like hours. We just listened, scared out of our, our minds. Suddenly the sound stopped and we heard my dad's old car coming up the driveway. We listened as the car pulled in and heard mom and dad make their way back through the back door. Tom went to jump up and I grabbed him. They'll tan both our hides if they find out, I said. <laughs> Tom looked at me and nodded, knowing full well dad would have severe consequences if he knew what we'd done. We jumped into bed and waited for mom to check on us. We pretended to be asleep. After what felt like forever, I heard Tom snoring and then I fell asleep. We never told mom and dad until we were grown. We told them the night after they had sold the house. We saw the dark pacer now and again, but we never went near the spot after that night. I don't know what it was, but I do agree with my mother that it was an evil presence. I still have bad dreams about that night, and it's been 50 years. God. That's so creepy. That's really good. Yeah. I wonder if it's still there. I don't know. You know, if it's a thing. When that... you want to go, Jack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally would. Just get parked in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> 
I guess it never came in your house, so that's cool, at least. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, just so and it in, in dark. Yeah. That's good. And then there's this other one I'll tell you about later. Uh-huh. I'll just tell you my memory, and but I'll, I'll show you it later. It was, it's another book that came out in, in this year, and it's called um, Terror in the Pines. And it's Autumn Bar- by Artem- Autumn Barnes and Tom Lyons. Right. And he has some wild accounts in it. Like people send them accounts. And there's some wild ones in there. And there's one out of Savannah, Georgia. And it's Savannah, Georgia, and it's like a trailer park. And so the neighborhood kids all play outside, of course. And there's like a fence at the back of the trailer park. Like, you know, there's a property next to a woods and stuff. And there's a fence. And they're playing kickball. And the ball goes over the fence. So the one kid climbs over to get it, climbs the fence. And it's walking, you know, not too far into the woods, but, you know, walking to get the ball. And, and the kid sees this dog on the hill sitting there looking at him, but it's a, like this big dog, but it has a rabbit's head. Oh, God. <laughs> Isn't that scary? Yeah. <clears throat> I used to, I don't know why, but there, there was, when I was a kid, I saw a movie called The Mephisto Waltz. Yes. Yeah, and they're in yes. the first scene of that movie. Somebody they're at a dinner party, and somebody had put a a mask on a dog. Right. Like, and it's walking around the party with like a human head, and it's the yeah. creepiest fucking image. And then, oh, then I think there was another movie that actually had a dog with a human head and it like goes into a group of people and looks up and it's just so freaky. And for some reason that image really fucked with me as a kid. Yeah. So I would think about it. And I remember for whatever reason, I used to ride the trails in the woods as a kid Mm -hmm. on my dirt bike. And for whatever reason, I used, I guess I would get scared sometimes. And I would uh-huh. think, oh God, what if those dogs with heads are. That would be the thing that popped yeah. in your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other thing is, as an adult, I had a really heavy dream one night where I was, um, <clears throat> I had come in the front door of this house. And I was like, the way the house was laid out, you could see straight down to the other end, down the hallway, and there were uh, rooms on each side. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, this figure comes out of one of the rooms, and it's um, a cat in a business suit. Like a a tall person, (laughs) like 6'6". Oh, but with a cat head, and I was just like, "Oh God!" Like it was like, the, yeah, it fucked with me so bad. It's that that imagery of animals with human heads or uh, people's yes, bodies and animal heads. Like, yeah, yeah. Really, and I as um um 
and you look through all the artwork throughout time, it's always been around, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, and that movie, I want to read that book, The Feast of Walls. I'm going yeah. to read the book. Um, I've, I've never read the book. I really like the movie, though. Yeah, I want to read. I haven't read it, but I want to because it's a book. Yeah. And the movie, I don't know if anyone's who's seen it who hasn't, but it's an interesting movie, right? It's Alan Alda. Yeah. And, like, don't they steal his... It's yeah, crazy. this, um, so, um, Alanada is a concert pianist. Right. And he meets, and he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he meets a, um, really successful older guy who kind of becomes his mentor. Right. And that guy is a, uh, Satanist. Right. And he figures out, um, how to steal his body and right. <laughs> how to steal Alan Alda and uh, that beautiful way he can be immortal or, or have a few more years or something you know yeah, yeah it's really good kind of like in Skeleton Key it's kind of like the idea of like the older Satanist or whatever magic person um, yeah. doing things to steal the, the young the people's yeah. body yeah. Here, I'll just keep the body you don't need it yeah. <laughs> find it in the fountain of youth you know. yep it's creepy yeah but yeah it's pretty frightening the idea of seeing anything and it not having the right head yeah <laughs> yeah it's always stuck with me it's always creeped me out your brain your brain doesn't know what to do with that right <laughs> Yeah, and, and what's weird in the dream, I had like a violent reaction. Like, that's how much it bothered me. Right. Where I was like, I'm going to fucking kill this thing. Like, it was <laughs> killing the cat in this dude. Really <laughs> creepy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. I got one um, okay. from the best ghost tales of North Carolina by Terrence mm-hmm. Zepk. And this is Lydia, the Vanishing Lady. And this is Jamestown, North Carolina. This is where I went to middle school. And um, the bridge, Lydia's bridge, is about a quarter mile from where I went to middle school. Ever since that tragic night in 1923, a young lady garbed in a white ball gown has often been spotted on the side of the road waving for help. This must be the most widely circulated story in the state. Many hitchhiking ghost tales I've heard are nothing more than variations of this story. The original story is about a girl named Lydia who had been at a dance in Raleigh with her boyfriend. In the early 1900s, a road was paved that linked Greensboro to High Point. The road ran through Jamestown and a narrow underpass beneath the railroad tracks. The pair was probably discussing what a wonderful evening it had been, perhaps even making future plans as they drove home to High Point. It was a dark night and the drivers were not paying as much attention as they should. Lydia and her boyfriend collided with another car at the underpass and Lydia was killed instantly. Ever since that tragic night in 1923, a young lady garbed in a 
white ball gown has often been spotted on the side of the road waving for help. Mm-hmm. Burke Hardison is one of the motorists who have seen this specter. It was very late as he passed through Jamestown. As Hardison approached the underpass, he saw a girl wearing a light-colored dress. She was frantically signaling for help. Knowing something must be terribly wrong for this lovely young woman to be all dressed up and standing alone on the side of the road at that time of night, he quickly pulled over. What's the matter? Hardison asked with concern. The girl told him that she was desperately trying to get home to High Point. My mother will be terribly worried, she said softly. He told her to get in and he would gladly take her home. She said thank you and gave him the address as she got in the vehicle. Lydia leaned wearily back in the seat and offered no more information as she closed her eyes. Although he was dying of curiosity, Hardison didn't ask her any questions. He knew how to get to the street she had named. So he turned off the highway and continued without saying a word. He glanced over at his passenger and noticed she looked as if she was sleeping. Hardison wondered how long she had been waiting for someone to come by. What was her story? He thought he might find out when they reached their destination. But when he went around to open her door, she was gone. It wasn't possible, but she had vanished. Determined to get to the bottom of the bizarre occurrence, Hardison marched up to the door and knocked. After a few minutes, a woman answered. Before the odd tale could be told, the sad-looking woman said, I know why you're here. You think you picked up my daughter. (laughs) You're not the first person this has happened to, and you almost assuredly won't be the last. She explained how her daughter had been killed in a car wreck some years ago. The woman told him that motorists occasionally showed up claiming they had been They had given a girl a ride home, but she had disappeared upon arriving at the house. Love that. Did we lose connection? Hello? Oh, great. It's not saying we lost connection. What's that? No, it was weird. I couldn't hear you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I interviewed a Jamestown resident who thinks he saw Lydia when he was a teenager. He asked that I not print his name, but admitted that he saw what he believes was Lydia. Years ago, there was a dirt road that extended an area around the underpass. He was out one rainy night with some other youths on that road when his truck got stuck in the mud. The boys got out to push the vehicle and he saw something white behind him. They didn't stick around to get a better look. They ran off and didn't come back for the car until the next day. I talked to several other longtime residents of Jamestown, but no one knows just when Lydia was last seen. I was told the best chance of seeing her is on foggy or rainy nights. (laughs) Pranks have occurred due to the folklore surrounding Lydia. High school students have outfitted themselves in fancy white dresses and appeared as cars approached the underpass. But those who say they had picked up Lydia on the side of the road say it is no laughing matter. They are haunted by the image of a beautiful young woman trying to get home but never quite making it. Mm -hmm. If you're going, the old underpass, also known as Lydia's Bridge, was located on Highway 70, now High Point Road. 
If you're coming from Greensboro, follow High Point Road and look for the Welcome to Jamestown sign. The sign is near the new overpass, which is about 40 or 50 feet east of Lydia's Bridge. The old bridge can barely be seen from the road due to all the overgrowth. To get a good view, you'll have to park up the road and walk back, being careful of traffic. Be sure to wear something appropriate for walking through the thick vegetation. Yeah, it's weird. The old bridge is like, okay, so... Uh, I see seven all the time. Yeah, well, this, um, where I went to middle school is beside our rival's high school, which was called mm -hmm. Ragsdale. Mm -hmm. And so the two rival schools are Ragsdale and Southwest. I went to Southwest, but all of us went to Jamestown Middle. Right. So, that bridge they're talking about, um, there's a bridge right off a of high point road. You go under, it's a tunnel and it's full of graffiti and it, mm -hmm. what it's a, a tradition that every year, both the people from the high schools talk graffiti shit about the other school. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, but the the Brit, the Lydia, the old Lydia bridge is to the right of that. You just walk a few feet in there and yeah it's it's wild it was it was something everyone talked about when i was a kid right yeah that's awesome i love the hitchhiker stories i do too and the lady in white <laughs> yeah. that's awesome uh and you were on a podcast recently yeah, I was on Homespun Hanks. They, um, I had sent, they were asking for like ghost stories a while back. This was like last spring or summer. And I sent them the story about the orange orbs and um, uh, they ended up interviewing me. It, this has been a few months ago and yeah, they released it. It's last awesome. Week. It was so cool. They, they were, um, really really nice and um it's uh becky and diana homespun haints and they're really talented artists and musicians um becky plays um the violin mm -hmm. so um like when if you listen to that when you hear me telling my story there's this music in the background that's her music Oh, it's nice. really yeah. cool. It's really, really good. And uh, um, I, one of them drew the um, orange balls of light. Oh, yes. I saw you put that up. Yeah, yes. put it on their Instagram. And it was like, fucking, that's what it looked like. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good job. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun. I had forgotten yeah, about good. it because <laughs> it's been so long. And, uh, but yeah, it was great. And I love their show and it was fun. Nice. Yeah. All right. It's, it's, it's about to be a new year, everybody. Yep. Happy new year. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be on the first. I'm going to be five. Oh, happy birthday. I'm <laughs> on top the hill. officially. <laughs> Monday. <laughs> the um, 
the mail closing kind of fucked up your card and package getting there in time. No. So, but you'll get it. <laughs> Happy Woo! birthday. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Wrap. We'll wrap. Yep. We're wrapping it up. We'll, we'll see you next year. <laughs> see you next year. All right. Good night. All right.